The Federal Communications Commission will vote this Thursday on a set of rules to govern net neutrality. Activists, lobbyists, and average Internet users are eagerly awaiting what is arguably the most important FCC vote in recent history. But what is net neutrality without reliable and affordable access to the World Wide Web? It's a question we're asking all week long on The Takeaway, and we'll check in over the next few days with people living in Internet utopias and some Internet dead zones as well. But let's set the stage this week by talking to the man who came up with the term net neutrality. Of course, he's a law professor, Tim Wu, professor of law at Columbia University. At its most original form, net neutrality was a principle of how the companies carrying information should act. So it's, you know, like an ethical rule, like don't lie, don't degrade. Uh, What we've seen now is a legal enforcement by the government of the net neutrality principle. So if that makes sense, the, the ethic of net neutrality is don't discriminate, don't mess with stuff on the internet. And the law of net neutrality enforces that ethic. Do you suspect that uh, the FCC will attempt to enforce a principle or will in the end deliver some sort of compromise, which is actually not net neutrality? Oh, I think right now they're doing a pretty good job. And I think they will frankly, come up with a rule that I will consider uh, ensuring net neutrality. So, you know, they've changed their tune over the year and have gone uh, basically full bore for the net neutrality approach. So I I think they're not going to compromise, actually. If we look around the world, who has the best Internet service and why? Is it because of a great monopoly provider in their community? Is it because of a progressive government insistence on some level of service? Uh, What gives people the best service in your experience in looking around the world? Yeah, I think the model is widely considered to be Korea, although a couple of other countries like the Netherlands are close behind. And I think it just is the product of government infrastructure spending. Uh, Some governments think of the internet as part of public infrastructure like the highways or bridges. And uh, governments outside the United States spend a lot of money on public infrastructure. We spend some. But other countries spend more, and those countries tend to have the fastest internet service. Uh, what we do have that other countries don't have so much is we have a cable industry that wired most homes in the 1970s and 80s with pretty good wires, those coax cables. That has given the United States actually an advantage. The problem in the United States is not so much our infrastructure as much as the insistence on wringing every single last cent of profit out of those pipes. You know, when you say, well, why don't they offer much more bandwidth? The companies are saying, well, how are we going to make money out of that as opposed to why would that be good for the country? You know, it's as if we had private companies building the highways and they were like, well, these traffic jams, they're not really hurting our business model. You see what I'm saying? I mean, the, the problem and the reason for net neutrality sometimes is that the infrastructure owners, this is definitely getting wonky, can sometimes profit from congestion. Ah. And so, you know, that, that's the key. And so one of the rules of net neutrality is we don't want to make congestion an attractive business model. We want to try and encourage you to try and make the biggest, fattest pipes, the most bandwidth available. And that's uh, by outlawing certain business models and um, uh, allowing others. And that's what you think the FCC is going to do. By the way, I think that uh, congestion is not wonky. I think people very much understand what that's all about. I mean, without net neutrality, the cable and phone companies, they're like, there's the Internet. It's really slow. Hey, let's say Netflix. Hey, uh, blogger, do you want to get through that congestion? Here's a fast line, you know, and we're going to sell it to you. It's a little bit the way, you know, boarding an airplane has become terrible. 
in part so that the airplane could sell you an upgrade to get past the big crowd getting on the airplane. You know, that's a little bit uh, what could happen on the Internet. And net neutrality is like, listen, you can't start selling these slow lanes and fast lanes and trying to mess with everything and, and make money off congestion. What do you think is the importance of this moment? I think it's historically extremely important. It marks a return to an idea that maybe the private sector doesn't do everything we want always in infrastructure, that we have public values at stake here. And uh, an open and free internet is a big part of that. And I guess in the 90s and early 2000s, the idea was, well, we can always trust the cable industry uh, to do the best for the public. I just don't think people buy that anymore. Uh, You know, they look at their unregulated cable prices and they seem out of control. They don't really trust private business. So I think it's a big moment. Is it possible for the government, the government doesn't necessarily have a great track record in setting uh, conditions and establishing law in the technology realm that's changing so rapidly. I'm wondering if they can guarantee something that's going to still be relevant in 10 or 20 years, or do they have to take the approach, whatever the best solution is at any given moment, that's what you have to offer to consumers. Anything short of that is going to be obsolete. I think government does a terrible job when it sort of tries to imagine the future. I think government does a better job when it says thou shall not. And in net neutrality, there's a bunch of rules. Thou shall not uh, block. Thou shall not discriminate. And so I think there's a better chance that those principles, which are a little more universal, will succeed than the sort of typical government. All right, here's our vision of the future of television. And this is why we want to make it so. So I'm uh, maybe I'm biased, but I, I hope by going to ancient, almost medieval principles in net neutrality, which are basically the same principles that govern things like canals. And, and uh, it's actually not that different than, than what regulates taxis in the sense that uh, when you get in a taxi, has to take, the taxi has to take you where you want to go. And that's basically all the net neutrality says as well. So I, I have some confidence. Tim Wu is professor of law at Columbia and the man credited with coining the term net neutrality. And because he's a complete wonk on this stuff, I decided to get his review of the best city outside of Korea and Scandinavia for Internet service. Well, Kansas City would probably be the best. Right really? Now. Uh, Google is, has, has wired uh, Kansas City. And as a consequence, the cable companies and phone companies have felt they'd have to offer better service. So, you know, they're racing to the top in Kansas City, not just in barbecue, but also in, 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 in bandwidth. <laughs> Tomorrow we speak with the mayor of Kansas City, Missouri, about how other cities can follow their lead and close the digital divide. So how would you rate the Internet service where you live? From Seattle, Washington, I'm fine in West Seattle, but my mother-in-law has dial-up in New Plymouth, Idaho, so we can't send her videos of our son. Oh, that's too bad. Tulsa, Oklahoma, I just moved into a home out in the country. The only Internet I have is when I put my cell phone in the windows and get enough service to get online. This is Erica from Parkland, Florida. Our Internet is typically fast. It was slow yesterday, so my husband checked, and we had 28 devices connected to our Internet. We're just a family of four. That's crazy. We're constantly connected, and we always want more speed. Internet as a public utility. What do you think? Call us at 877-8MY-TAKE. If your internet is fast enough, you can vote in our poll online at thetakeaway.org. The Takeaway is supported by Lumosity.com. Brain training designed by neuroscientists that has been used by 60 million people worldwide. With personalized training programs to challenge memory, attention, and problem solving. Learn more at lumosity.com.